Podwalkers, and welcome to a slightly different episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Um, this is going to be a panel that was hosted by me um, at the local convention, OrcaCon, this um, first weekend in January here. The panel was um, entitled Queers Across the Multiverse 2024, which was a follow-up on a panel I ran in 2020, um, right before the pandemic. The panel is about queer representation in magic and what's changed in the last few years. The original panel talked about the history of queer representation since the start of magic and what that looked like and kind of the sad state of it at the time uh, and what had been changing and what we wanted to see going forward. And um, now we're taking a look at it from uh, how things are today. And we had some really great guests for this panel. We had, um, you know, former Wizards employee and uh, Wizards or uh, Magic Story writer Allison Lures. It was fantastic to have her. We had a current story writer Shauna McGuire, um, frequent guest on the podcast. It was great to have her. And we had uh, local Magic player Lillian Young, who was on the original uh, panel back in two thousand. Uh, it was great to have everybody on the panel. And a little bit about OrcaCon. It is an annual gaming convention here uh, hosted, um, focused on diversity and inclusion. Uh, it was started by a group of people who saw that all the other cons were run by middle-aged white men and wanted to start a con of their own that was um, representative of themselves. So the people who run this con are largely queer and people of color, uh, people of different gender identities than uh, white cis male. So it's great to have a con that represents more people. Uh, if you're ever in the Seattle area the first weekend in January and want to come to a con that's focused on board gaming and TTPRPGs and such, uh, I would love to see you there. It's a fantastic convention. Um, and it's great. Uh, one note on this, uh, the audio is not great. We The room was not mic'd for audio. We did the best we could with the equipment we had, and hopefully Hobbs can do a little post-production magic on the audio. Um, but I do apologize for the audio quality. Um, it's a little over the, um, it was a little uh, too much gain on the audio uh, on the final recording. So hopefully it's not too um, horrible to listen to, and I hope you don't take that away from the wonderful content and the wonderful speakers that we had. Uh, so let's get right into the content, and thank you again. I hope you enjoy this panel as much as I enjoyed hosting it and our wonderful guests. I enjoyed talking to our wonderful guests. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming to the panel on Queers Across the Multiverse 2024. This is a follow-up on a panel we had uh, in 2020. Uh, kind of going to discuss what's changed since then in Magic Story and uh, lore. Um, introduce ourselves real quick. I'm Taya Steer. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Goblin Lore podcast, uh, where we talk about Magic Story and mental health topics. Uh, we uh, usually um, release on Wednesdays, uh, so if you're interested in those topics, please uh, give us a listen, and hopefully you'll be interested in what we're talking about. I've uh, been playing Magic for a long time, and a uh, big-time Vorthos. Sure. Um, hi, uh, I'm Allison Lures, she, her. I am currently Associate Narrative Director at Bungie, working on Destiny 2. Uh, but prior to this, for nine years, I was at Wizards of the Coast, uh, and I've worked on Magic the Gathering a lot. I have written 26 and counting magic stories. Uh, and I, it's my fault that a lot of these queer characters are here, so I would love to, love to yell about them. <laughs> Uh, I'm Lillian Young, she, her. I've never done anything officially for Magic, but I do like making custom laser-cut deck boxes, uh, which can be very fun to mess around with. Um, and I've been playing Magic off, off and on. Learned in 1995, but got seriously into the game five or six years ago, 2018. I love how much our panel introductions sound like we're going to an Arcotics Anonymous. Yeah. 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 I'm Shauna McGuire, she, her. I am a freelance author who's currently doing a bunch of work for Magic Story. 
I started playing Magic with Alpha, and then I got out and got completely clean. As of the dark, I was out for 20 years. And then Grace Fong, who was one of their narrative directors, asked me to come back and write some Magic story. And I thought, sure, that's not going to make me start playing again. We're fine. It, we, we were not fine. <laughs> we were not fine. My house is now just a sea of Magic cards. Yeah, it, it tends to go that way. Um, and uh, just quick intro questions and um, kind of get to know the panelists here. Uh, you know, how did your spark ignite? Oh, I got a job after being unemployed for a little while. And I didn't know a thing about magic when I first started working at Wizards. Um, so I had to learn really fast because my first job was as community manager for MitGo. And I, uh, I had a steep learning curve. But as soon as I started learning, and as soon as I learned that there were characters and stories, I was like, oh, I'm in. Done. Uh, and yeah, over, over my time at Wizards, I, I got deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, and so my house was also overcome with magic mm -hmm. cards, and then I sold them and got a heat pump. Um, so there we go. That's, that's <laughs> Air conditioning is great. Oh god, yeah. It's so tight. It's so tight. I love heat pumps. So yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I uh, I got in and revised, and uh, you know played played for a while. Got out in college, and then came back and um, absent restored, and I've been playing ever since. Uh, now mostly commander player but uh really like you know obviously i'm on a podcast that talks about story so story is definitely my big thing but i bought my first pack at electronics boutique in 94 and kind of got hooked early on uh spent what little income i had as a high school student on magic and <laughs> uh kind of the rest is history from there uh, I learned to play when my brother brought this brought this weird card game back from summer camp. It was like, hey, we should we should try this. We should play this. And then I went to the same summer camp the next year. I'm like, okay, learn learn some of these things. Immediately put that game aside for the Star Wars CCG, which uh, if I do, then I can get the two giant boxes of cards that are still at my parents' house. Okay, but thank you. Um, and then I kind of left that aside. Came back, then came back. Uh, when the, the set Unfinity was released, or sorry, Unstable, excuse me, Unstable was released. And I realized, remembered like, oh, this game can also be really silly. But this was also around the time of Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan, which was when the web story was really picking up, really getting its feet. A lot of characters were getting some very interesting places yeah. getting to some really interesting places in their story and that also helped me and so I've also been following a lot of the stories since then I was and this may be a shock for those of you who knew me know me now a deeply awkward teenager I had no idea how to interact with other teenagers but I was also hormonal and really wanted them to touch my boobs and somehow I got the idea that I could convince teenage boys to touch my boobs if I kicked their ass at a car for several years. I actually played competitively, which is unre unrealistic to anyone who plays with me now because I'm so bad at the game. And then my middle sister decided to sell my entire deck for drug money. Mm. Uh, and I was an extremely poor teenager. We were on welfare, so I had gotten most of my cards by panhandling to buy booster packs. Like, I would literally just go up to people and go, can I have a quarter? And this pack when packs were buck seventy-five, so you didn't have to do that for too long to get another pack. But they were Arabian Nights, they were Antiquities, they were no longer available. And uh, I had no cards, my heart was broken, and my sister did not get in trouble because I was older and had to be the bigger person. And that is why I broke up with Magic for 20 years, because it was easier to hate the game than to hate my sister that I was not allowed to feed sharks. Um, and then I rediscovered magic in a horrid, huge and horrible way and discovered that my brother, uh, different side, I have no siblings that share both parents with me. My brother on my father's side had been playing hardcore Is It for years and was just like, yes, 
the dark side. It's here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to push this shit up. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So I'm still playing to impress a boy, but this time I really don't want him to touch my boots. Queer magic character. I know this is gonna be a hard question for you because that's like picking your favorite child. I think I think part of my heart will always lie with you, Penny. Um, but Tomic was my biggest success. Uh, like Tomic is the reason we get to have the good part of this panel. Uh, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Tomic. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell the story of how like the outing officially of uh, queer characters in magic happens too. But we can. Yeah, we can say that later. I mean, I've got to go with Chandra. She's just my favorite character in general, but I mean, I've got the $1,500 statue of Chandra in my living room, so it's kind of hard to beat that. Uh, she is uh, my favorite character and my favorite uh, disaster uh, by uh, girl. Uh, yeah, she is. Uh, my favorite character, queer character recently has actually been Sahili Rai, and that is after the Brothers War story where she was placed in opposition to Urza, war criminal and terrible, terrible person, created, she was placed in opposition to him also as an artificer, and one of her quotes from that story will actually be my next tattoo sometime this year when she said, I choose beauty. And that just like, yes, I want that right here. Nice. Going with the folks that are currently canonically known as queer, I also have to go with Tomek. Just because if you look at him on paper, or even look at him in most story appearances, he doesn't look queer. And the fact that he is not forced to be incredibly open and flamboyant all the time actually does show a step forward in story. Because for so long you could only have queer characters anywhere if they came in wearing six different pride flags and shouting at you in t-shirt slogans. And that is not a criticism of real people who wear pride flags. It is a criticism of the way that we frame queer characters, which is a very different statement. And I, I just love that Tomic is just living his life. He's yeah. living his life. He got to marry a guild leader and not have to leave his guild, and that's going to cause some political fallout. And he's having a good time. I love Tomic. Just lawyering it up. Yep. yep. And he'll if you get too close to him. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be paying that for 40 years after you're dead. Yeah. yeah. What is the cost of insulting an Orzhov guild leader? It's expensive. It's, it's very expensive. expensive. Yeah. 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 No, un unpayable. No. So I want to kind of talk about where we were uh, four years ago when we first had this discussion because... Frankly, it wasn't very good. We were just getting started with representation. And um, we had some really cool characters. Um, you know, Alesha was our first trans character, um, but she was dead. We had Karanos and Tyranos. Uh, you know, they had cards. They were cool. They were dead. Um, Lana and Elena, uh, Cool lesbian characters from the Innistrad stories. No cards, but we had them in story. Um, our favorite girlfriends, uh, Chandra and Nissa, had just been canned completely. Uh, that was not cool at all. Um, Fushiri had one line in story. A uh, little cool reference to her wife. That was nice touch, but we didn't have much there. Uh, we did get Rowl and Tomek, thank you. Uh, we had an in-story, nothing on cards or anything. We had some games. very small, plausible deniability on yeah. the cards. We had built in intentionally on the cards. Yeah. Oh, if, if, you, if you're paying attention to their costumes and their outfits, you can see they have, like, you can tell. Yeah. But if you're not looking for it or if you're trying to deny it in a market where you might be a little afraid of that. There's nothing like what's actually represented on the cards today, where it's very clear. Uh, so yeah, I think you did put that. And you know, our big concern was that it was pretty obvious from the outside. You know, all of our panelists at the time were outside from uh, outsiders from Wizards, and it was clear that the creatives really wanted this, but it was 
we're, we're seeing that the business realities were probably that they weren't allowed to do this because of laws in certain regions and business concerns and worries about um, impacting the bottom line, essentially. And we were, that was our view from outside as the likely reason that this wasn't happening, uh, despite um, indications from the creative team and the storyline that this was the direction that things wanted to go. And that was, that was our view from outside and what we were seeing uh, the way things looked and uh, you know it, it looked like things were heading in a better direction than they had been and obviously you know compared to the previous 25 years of story uh, things were definitely improving uh, there had been very little before that um, at all so things had been getting better uh, but it still hadn't been um, you know, we were, as a community, uh, you know, kind of the big thing that came out of our panel then is that uh, a lot of what we were expecting was the queerness was in the community, which has a very big, magic has a very big queer community. Uh, and we'll talk about, I think we'll talk about that more some as we um, continue this panel. So it's, the story is very important to the community because of just how much of a queer presence there is. But I'd like to talk about where we are today, because that's really why we're here. And I want to start that off with the introduction of the regional content policy, which I think is um, what kind of unlocked the doors in a lot of things, which is where Wizards came out and said that they will start making content that they want to make available um, based on the regions that, can, that they can support it in, and that they will basically self-censor based on the region. Is that a, a fair yeah. way to put and it? It took years. It took years of fighting to get to that point. I, I can't go into the details, obviously, mm -hmm. yeah. but like, I think that your assessment of like that creative desperately, desperately wanted this is absolutely true. Uh, and it really did take years of like fighting and working internally, figuring out, like, okay, I guess we can't just like put stuff in there, otherwise we get in trouble, and we can't just do it this way, otherwise this doesn't work. Like, figuring out the process is what allowed us to get to the point where everybody gets to be happy. Um, but it, it really was like uh, the concerted effort of Doug Fire, especially. Um, uh, Jenna Helland on the team is also really advocating for this. Kelly Diggs when he was there as well. Uh, there were so many good people who were fighting the good fight um, to try and get what we could into the cards and the stories and while working behind the scenes to find a way to get things in there permanently. Um, and so that, that was the big turning point. Um, but the, uh, the, the tipping point, and I'll, I'll tell the story now of how it happened, uh, was after all of these years of like, okay, let's go talk to the lawyer, or let's go talk to Virginia, and finally, uh, it was creating the uh, return, the, not return to Ravnica, the one after one, uh, Guild of Ravnica, uh, where myself, Doug, and Ari uh, were on the world building team for that. And so each of us were assigned two different guilds. Uh, I got assigned Orzov and Valorius, they were assigned uh, various other pairs, and the day came when the assignment was, uh, we need to make some new characters, just some new legends uh, that we can have in the background. Uh, and so everyone wrote up like, you know, little paragraph introductions. And I remember like sitting at my desk and deciding like, I choose chaos. I'm going to fucking do it. Uh, and so I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And we came back the next day to like share with everybody what we've done. And everyone shared theirs and came around to me. And I just like laid my paper across and said, I gave Rel the perfect boyfriend. Does anyone have a problem with that? <laughs> and Doug and Ari were like, no, we do not. Let's do that. Uh, we all read it. We all like took a little, little, little tweaks at it, little tweaks here and there. And we were like, okay, I think we have a plan for how we can make this happen. Uh, and so that was what helped kind of like get the ball rolling to help get that policy in place. So yeah, sometimes you just got to keep with it, even when everything sucks. But eventually, eventually good works. Yeah, um, and we're appreciative of that. And, you know, we did see that reflected, you know, at the time we did our last thing because, you know, Rowan and Tomek were a known quantity at that point. So it was, you know, obviously things were heading in the right direction then. And it was, uh, and I, I think it was very prominent in the web story that we got. And the um, other problems aside with the War of the Spark story and the um, Gathering Storm was actually very good. Uh, 
Um, but we got to see that very well represented in the web story. Yeah, um, yeah and the climate's a lot different now. Yeah, it is. It's a whole it's lot all, easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll definitely be talking more about that. It's fascinating how quickly things shift on a cultural level, both positively and negatively at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really like to watch medical dramas, and weirdly, this is applicable. Like, I, I love watching terrible medical dramas. It's never lupus, and we're all just having a good time. So right now, I'm working my way through Chicago Med, which is the conservative news of medical dramas. It's directly yoked to a propaganda show. It is very much on the conservative end of this scale. And I started at the beginning, and watching the episodes that were filmed four years ago, we have completely casual trans and intersex representation that is not questioned. We have doctors arguing for the right of children to self-determine gender-wise, and it's not judged at all because the moral panic that we're currently in the middle of had not spun up. So as we get increased representation and availability of certain types of queerness, and it gets easier to squeak those past the censors without getting yelled at, we're seeing a tipping on a different axis. And that is hitting all areas of cultural storytelling. It's fascinating how fast it changes, because you can't necessarily see it when you're standing five years away. Also, now I want a medical drama set on Ravnica. <laughs> Half the characters would just be arguing to just, eh, who cares what they are, just melt them down and they can be you <laughs> got a headache? Yeah, we can use the rest of your body. Yeah. The Orzhov runs the, run the billing department. Mm -hmm. They're having a great time. And then the entire hospital is just a giant tug of war between is it and Bulgari, with the civic periodically coming in to take people that have been deemed incurable. Yeah, making another crisis out of them. They're tardigrade now, but we'll see them. Yeah. Offering to give people more limbs. Yeah. 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 Do you want to be a jellyfish? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Can't break bones if you don't have them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to um, do a gender transition surgery. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No jellyfish have gender. They, there are secret jellyfish genders. Yes. Kind of like the secret mushroom genders. So I, I think kind of after our panel, we actually saw the floodgates open, mm -hmm. and we started seeing this very quickly change. And like we, we saw Nico Ariskit introduces the first non-binary planeswalker, uh, and they were they were the feature planeswalker of the set. They, you know, they weren't an add-on character. Uh, they were the key art, you know, they were the center of the main story. And it, it was the first time we were really seeing this as not just a, a set piece, but the key part of the set. They are, they are still my arena, my avatar in arena to this day. Yeah. And, and we also got, I mean, small things even, but we got in the story for... All time we got neo pronouns used, which is, you know, just a, a cool little touch that most people probably don't even notice, but it's in there for people who do care. Um, you know, we mentioned Helena and Elena um, being in story previously. They've had multiple cards now. Um, some of them uh, with the both of them on the same card. Some of them having the partner ability. Uh, I like to say since, since they don't have partner with and just have partner, I like to say that they're uh, um, in a uh, polyamorous relationship, so they're open, <laughs> open to dating others as well. But then the card that they do have to get there just calls them partners. The card is Elena partners. Yeah, yes. I, I both do and do not like that interpretation, given that Will and Rowan have partner with. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's romantic and platonic partners. Mm -hmm. there's, al there's also people on Akoria that have partner with Giant Sky Shark. Yes. So we do not judge. We do not judge. Um, Although physiologically, that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the uh, what was it? It's not um, the Midnight Hunt story. We got the uh, well, and Crimson Vow. We got the uh, wonderfully useless, useless uh, lesbian uh, Chandra and Adeline. Uh, kind of mini romance. Uh, there obviously was some sparks there. Uh, which didn't go anywhere because they're useless lesbians. Chandra having some rebound feels. Yeah, it definitely. Like. But it was very clear in the story that there was some feelings involved. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, it's seeing it more out in the open again. It's just part of the story. And then, then we get, you know, a, a secret layer for Pride Month. And this, this is when it just, all of the art was... We get custom art for all these cards and the story that is specifically um, queer representation. And we get um, Hwatli and Sahili uh, have an absolutely lovely story together. And a card, a heartbeat, heartbeat of spring. Uh, the story was super fun. I desperately wanted to write a two-person love triangle um, where like neither person knows that they're writing love letters to the other one. It's You've Got Mail. It's the same, it's the same thing. Uh, but it's my favorite love trope. Uh, it was such a relief to finally get to just like write just the most sapphic story I possibly can. It felt great. Uh, and yeah, it was a blast. Um, the card is super cute, too. All, all of the cards in that release were absolutely adorable. Can I squee about basically all the cards in that release? Yes, yeah. We got to see Rowland Tomek's wedding. Yeah. yeah. We got to see Alesha growing old, teaching the next generation of the Mardu. Mm -hmm. We got to see Bearscape, which just... Whoever allowed that to happen, I hope I hope they got the thanks they deserve. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We got to see Soul Ring with every single pride flag you can imagine, and then probably three more that they made up in universe. Yeah. We got like that whole secret lair was perfect. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it was great to see them take a flagship product like Secret Lair and just dedicate it to representation and you know, put out something that this is going to be on the website front and center for a month mm -hmm. and say, this is a product that we're going to sell. And then there was, you know, some issue about it. Like, they didn't sell it in Latin and South America, which there are no laws preventing it from being sold there. So there was a lot of people upset in those regions that they couldn't order it. Uh... You know, I, I had a friend who was buying them and then shipping them down there for people who couldn't order them. But, um, you know, obviously they made a business decision not to do that, which was kind of sad that they made that choice. Uh, you know, obviously you can understand not being able to ship to some regions where there's laws specifically against it. But, you know, why they decided not to ship to South America, I don't know. Wizards likes money, so I've just been acting under the assumption that there was, if not a law, at least some very strong local regulation that would make it difficult. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I'm correct, but I do try to not assume that the company that owns literally everything I care about is completely into baby eating. Yeah, no, obviously they like, they like money, because um, what else are they doing? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I want to see more of this, so I would love to see more, um, special art, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. on a regular basis going forward. I'd like to see another Pride Lair. Another Pride yeah. Lair. Yeah. And maybe more stories. Oh, there's, there'll mm -hmm. definitely be stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 More, more Pride-specific stories. Especially. A lot of the queer stuff has been carried forward into the standards. Yes, yeah, and that's talking what about Sahili and Watley. They have a card together from the most recent standard set. Poetic ingenuity shows them together, shows them 
teaming up to make dinosaur robots. Right, and even just the fact that Sahili is now very firmly on Ixalan is carrying forward the queer story in the cards. Right, they could have stranded her anywhere. They could have left her home on Kaladesh. Yeah. And even for a former planeswalker, you don't uproot yourself from your home culture to that degree unless you're doing it for something or someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that was a big, because most of the planeswalkers have been left on their home planes um, post uh, desparking. For those not familiar with that particular event in the set, they just had this huge multiverse spanning, world breaking invasion event. And in the uh, pun intended from the set aftermath of this, they took a lot of these planeswalkers they had and said, okay, these aren't planeswalkers anymore. Choices so they were made. <laughs> yeah, and now if you want to go plane to plane, you've got to find a, a hole in reality. Uh, called an omen path and walk. Everybody's gonna die of Bloomborough rabies. <laughs> no no planar inoculations. Uh, that's gonna be a lot of fun. We try not to think too hard about that. Yeah. Well, I think about that constantly. <laughs> yeah. I know you do. Yeah. And I'm making it everyone's problem. Yeah. The Innistrad variant of zombieism has to be uh, particularly virulent. Well, the Innistrad variant of zombieism we have determined is directly connected to the nature of mana on Innistrad. Yeah. Um, so, having an overly detail-oriented biologist does occasionally lend good things and not just the bone-eating beetles that we have from this morning. <laughs> um, you know, we've gotten other representation, too, in some certain areas. Uh, one of the, the biggest um, kind of mixed properties is we had the Baldur's Gate set, which brought in a lot of characters from the video game as well, which are all canonically um, pansexual. They will date absolutely anybody, uh, and in the game they do uh, frequently, uh, including multiple people in some cases. Uh, which is a lot of fun, but they introduced some new characters beyond the characters in the game, including a uh, transient lady who loves rabbits, uh, which was a uh, really nice touch. Uh, you wouldn't know that unless you read the Twitter thread uh, talking about the characters, sadly, but uh, it still was nice to also, read that. Because the game, the game itself, uh, Baldur's Gate Three was delayed by quite a bit. Yeah. So the they didn't kind of come out concurrently. The cards were dropped, were released six months, nine months, something before the game was available, and before a lot of people could be like, "Oh, all these people are queer, pansexual, whatever." Had a lot of the backstory. Yeah. But it was still there. But Carlos Price really shot up after the game came out because everybody loves hot tiefling girl. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Vampire boy. Yeah. Vampy boy. I also haven't had a chance to play the game yet, so. Yeah. Yeah. I like Mira. Yeah. Mira's fun. She's not in the game, sadly. But she's in the card game. Yes, she is in the cards, and we both have Mira decks, and they do crazy, crazy things. Well, your your Nero deck is a little bit more disgusting than mine. My Nero deck is very refined at this point. Yeah. I got a Cyclonic Rift last night. Everybody's very sorry about that. It's not a great card in Nero, though, because it oh, doesn't... Oh, it's a fantastic card in Nero. Consider how many ways I have to stack my top deck. Yeah, but you don't get the bonus when you hit it off a Nero. <laughs> that is true, but I never hit, I'll never hit it off the Nero if I'm scroll racking it yeah. every turn. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is no Melthos panel. Uh, I I like that there's so much representation in the Baldur's Gate set, but I also don't want to give too much credit for it. I don't think we get a lot because a lot of that is on Larian's. Exactly. It, yeah. it verges it verges on Dumbledore representation. Right. Like there's no story I can read. It's not on the cards. I have to track down a social media thread 
or you have to play a 100-hour video game. Exactly, and neither of those is really helping if I'm just interacting with the right. Yeah, I don't think we want to give Wizards too much credit yeah. on here. This is really on I love end. their existence, and I appreciate them being canonical magic characters, but I want to be careful not to, to cross that credit. Mm-hmm. And, um... You know, we did get some more um, standard story. We had uh, Errant and Parnisi on New Capenna. Mm -hmm. uh, we got, uh, although they didn't feature so much, we got the wonderful story of their wedding and the New Capenna set, but then we got them in, uh, or at least we got to read a lot about uh, Errant and the uh, invasion story. Mm -hmm. And Parnisi's not dead. And Parnisi's not dead, which is very good, yes. Thankfully, they're not killing off all the gay characters, which is also another big positive. No, we are hitting the level of representation where we can kill some of them. Okay, you have to have enough representation you can kill people. If you have one lesbian, she has perfect plot armor, and she's boring. Yeah. But if you marry two of them, you can then kill their dad. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and after all this time, Rule Friends is officially canon. Yeah, yeah, terrible for each other. Yeah. It's, it, you know, they, they finally they finally kiss after trauma bonding in the battle at the bottom of a pit that they were fighting a monster in. This is this is a terrible start to a relationship. It is awful, and uh, I don't see good things happening for them, but. But, but they're gonna try. What if? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I got to consult on that story, and it was deeply satisfying to finally hand over like reams of stuff that we wanted to do or wanted to say. Yeah. Well, and yeah, Kyra is amazing for yes. playing off anything Absolutely. sapphic. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was an amazing story. I and it's such a delight to like finally get to read. Uh, I, it's, it's weird, like, helping to shape a ship, but not shipping it personally. Uh -huh. yeah. I also can't agree that they're a bit of a mess. Yeah. But, like, that's, that's the fun part. Like, that's, that's why it's important. Yeah. Um, that is not a healthy relationship. <laughs> Name one healthy relationship in current magic. I mean, other than the multiverse spanning time. Everything else we have to say other than in relationship. Yeah. Ral and Tomic is just an excuse for Tomic to have just, more people to see. They're just good boys. Okay. Yeah. and Wadley are doing great. Yeah, I mean, there's a little coup planning going on. But... Yeah. Who hasn't? Yeah. Nahiri and Rada are having a great time in an alternate continuity that no longer exists since Boom Comics lost the license. That's true. And I'm not bitter. The comic series were wonderful. Go down to the vendor area and buy the Nahiri comic that Shannon did because it's an awesome comic. And it's accidentally so queer. I did not do that on purpose. I'm sure. It wasn't until I saw the visuals that I'm like, oh shit. think Nahiri has to be asexual or she is even more insane than she is generally represented as being when you consider how many centuries she spent completely alone. Yeah. She has to be okay going without that kind of thing for much longer than most human psyches can handle or poor psyches. Yeah. Girl needs a therapist. Oh, also that. Girl needs to go spend a couple of years on Kalheim with Kaivar just pulling her into the fishing lodge and then throwing her in a river. Yeah. But we need a lot of a lot of planeswalkers need therapists. Kaivar oh, running the post planeswalker therapy lodge is a thing I have discussed a great length before. Unfortunately, when you set up your story and your world building in such a way that to become a almost with a few exceptions like Tyvar, to become one of these main characters, you have to go through major trauma. You end up, weirdly, with a lot of traumatized characters. Tyvar, Amanatu, do we have any other non-traumatized planeswalkers? Samut sparked from a good interaction, but still after an enormously traumatic experience. Yeah. 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 
Amanatu saw every bad timeline and picked yeah. the good one. Yeah. yeah. Tyvar's brother asked him to put on a shirt. <laughs> I know, like, to come to my coronation, you must put on a shirt. I'm going to another dimension. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of awful. Um, Grist. Grist was not traumatized. She was just hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. She traumatized other people. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'll do it. We don't know enough about them. Yeah, they might, they might well be a case of, no, I was not traumatized. I am the traumatized. We can't cause enough trauma here. Let's go elsewhere. Saving the saving the multiverse through trauma. I saw a happy dream. Oh, I must fix that. Yeah. Well, it was all puppy dogs and unicorns. It was terrible. So. You know, what do we want to see happen? You know, if we had this panel in another four years, what would we want to see change? I mean, obviously, I think at least Shannon can't speculate on a lot because she's actively working on storyline. Shannon likes bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, we're going to Bloomborough. Yeah. Shannon didn't write Shannon didn't story get to write for Bloomborough. No, Shannon is sad. But it turns out they won't let me write everything, no matter how much I offer. <laughs> I think your agent is probably happy about it. Oh, but my agent would like me to stop. <laughs> Looking into retirement ideas for you? Uh, so, I write for Magic because it makes my cards tax deductible, not because they pay me. I actually forgot to invoice them for like a year because that is how little they pay. Which is not a complaint! I'm very happy, but my agent is just like, you know, over here there is money. Over there, there is another box of books. Where would you like to be? We can be turned into cards. Yes, but they won't be tax deductible. It's like a Barbie movie. No, I just gave you this as an illusion of choice. But sadly, there is no illusion. There's just me doing whatever the hell I want. Speculate, those of you who are allowed. So we've had some very good trans femme representation. We've had some very good non-binary representation, including not defining their original genders, even if they had original genders. They're just non-binary. Nico and Ashiok are just Nico and Ashiok. They're doing what they're doing. We don't have any trans mask representation. We have a very strong fanon that Jace really just need just needs an excuse to show off his top surgery scars. Yeah. But that is not official. Right. And I love trans mask Jace's fanon. Yeah. He went to Ixalan, lost his lost his chest, got into the shape he wanted to be, and now he doesn't need the cloaks, just goes around topless all the time. What a like what else are you expecting here? Yeah. And he's got this great girlfriend, and they're probably off staying entirely out of the way for the next set or two. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would like to not be involved in your narrative. Thank you, Keith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and because nothing good ever happens to either of them in narratives. Both of them deserve about 20 years on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> and not one of those nasty beaches either. One of the really nice beaches. Yeah. Are you sure they're going to get that? Yeah. Um, anything? Yeah. I, I, I also am in the, in the pool of like potentially can't really see you. Yeah. No, I guess. I'm not clear how far you're So this, this is where we get to talk yeah. more, Lillian. So. I, I think the easy answer, though, is like, I, I just want more. Like, just more. Yeah. Just more. Now that the ball's been rolling, like, keep going. Like, let's see, let's see what we can do, what kinds of more interesting stories we can tell now yeah. Uh, yeah. That, this, that this is more possible than it was for you. I would love to see a card with Ral and Tomek together on Murders mm -hmm. at Carl Manor. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, I would like that a lot. Yeah. Do you want to plug the continuation of the murder story that is dropping stuff? Murders at Carlisle Manor is our next mainline set. It is set on Ravnica. It is a murder mystery. The 10 episode story started before the holidays because of reasons. And episode 2 comes out on Monday. Okay. 
We have really enjoyed that on the podcast server, so thank you. Yeah, for I'm, I'm having a nice time with that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I, and we are excited to read more of the story, and obviously we would love to have you on again when uh, the story is complete. Oh, yeah. Happy to. Um, I, I want to see, yes. Obviously more. I want more everything. I would... Um, like Lillian said, a, a, a trans mass character would be nice. I would like a living trans femme character as well, though. Uh, you know, Alesha's great, but she was what, seven, eight years ago at this point. Not more than that. Cons is ten. Cons is ten, yeah. What is time? What is time? And, and she is dead long dead in story just, just because her story was set 6,000 years ago doesn't mean it was a complete Ooh, story no. she got to grow old she, she, she had a wonderful older. story she is I just would love to have an active character yeah like present in the current narrative. present in the present current narrative. Yes. yes she had a complete story it was wonderful um, we got to see it continued in the card, but we don't have an active trans. We don't have any active uh, trans mask or trans characters. If I'm looking pie in the sky here, I would. It would be great to see a story where a character is actually actively figuring these things out. We we've been getting stories where these characters are confident in who they are, what they are. But that kind of gives the impression that in this world, like, this is just a thing that everybody has, everybody knows, everyone is okay with from their, from the get-go. And that is, even in the most accepting of worlds, that is not always the case. Yeah. And there is space for that kind of story. There is, yeah. There definitely could be um, something in that realm that would that... I would love to see the Aetherborn come back. Oh, I'm there too. That would be... I mean, I um, I mean, this probably goes into things you can't speculate on, but the... Um, you know, with their hint to the return of multiple planes for the, the Death Race set, I'm, I'm expecting to go back to Kaladesh as one of them. That's just my... Yeah. My speculation is an external one, so I'm hoping to see some, but... Yeah, as bad as it was, I played I played Aetherborn Tribal for Kaladesh Standard, and... Uh, this is a weird side turn, but I would like to see us establish a healthy and not probably about to be eaten by lingering Phyrexia taint pet ship. Because right now what we're running into is we've killed off Gideon and Liliana, we've broken everything. There hasn't been a happy ending for a heterosexual couple in a while. Yeah. And if we don't if we don't provide at least one for people to latch on to you start running into the, oh, this isn't for me anymore complaint. Mm -hmm. And that hurts our ability to keep putting out stories yeah. the way that we do. Yeah. Also, when you look at the scope of magic history, for so long the healthy head relationships were Urza and wife number 73. And uh, nothing Urza has ever done has been healthy. No. So while my focus as a reader is on the queer couples, I do want to see on the narrative side the memory that we need at least one or two truly stable heterosexual relationships. Yeah, yeah that totally makes sense. You know, more for everybody. Not more for yeah. everybody, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not me saying I want Magic the Gathering to be a romance series, because it hasn't been. Tamio's husband never interfered with story. Yeah. Liliana and Gideon interfered with story in the same way that I expect Chandra and Nissa to interfere, which is they created story by being raging trash fires. Oh, yeah. But I, I think what you just said makes, uh, it really resonates with me. Like, a lot of the um, argument I remember when I first started on Magic was like, well, like, Magic isn't about romance. Like, it's not about that. That's going to be distracting people and yeah. like it. Not realizing that it doesn't detract from the game. It just adds to it. Like, it just yeah. creates a new venue. A, a new reason for people to come inside. 
a character having a spouse is just another facet of that character, whether it's a straight relationship. Yeah, I mean, the, the only, I think the only really good one we have is Teferi. Yeah. Teferi and his wife, yeah. I think, are pretty stable. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. But people want, people do want to deny that sex and romance have been a part of magic from the beginning. Um, Quentin Hoover, who was an early magic artist, is one of my favorite magic artists of all time. And I was inquiring with his sons about whether they had any remaining prints or sketches or anything that I could buy. And completely unprompted, Quentin Hoover's son told me that it's weird how people today think Earthbind is sexual. <laughs> Earthbind, for the unfamiliar, is a naked elf in a straight-up shibari bondage position who has been tied down to the ground. Uh, when I was in high school, I knew boys who were dating that part. <laughs> this is my girlfriend, Earthbind. We, we knew it was sexual when we were 14. Yeah. That's not news, but people want to deny that that has always been a part of the setting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're just about out of time. You know, thank you all for coming, and I hope you enjoyed this talk. Thank you to my panelists. I really appreciate you uh, coming and illuminating us with your knowledge, uh, especially your inside views. Uh, that is very appreciated. Uh, this has been a wonderful talk. Thank you so much. And that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at HobbsQ. Taya can be found at Taya Transcends. And Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter. Or email us at goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at Bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffel on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs> <laughs>